When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, author, speaker, five-time business owner and mentor, Ann McNeil. Hey, what you drink? I can see and hear that story in almost every interaction we have. In almost every conversation I hear you have with, with guests or others, I hear sentiments of that story. I'm curious as to how do you stay centered in knowing that even with your success, that you still have to do work <laughs> On yourself. I mean, you, you are the most, I wouldn't say humble because I've got, I've got an issue with that word, but you, you're the most self-directed. Uh, you continue to stay focused on development, even in sight of having success. You're always searching for the next book. You're always searching for the next way to understand yourself better. Uh, you're always looking for the next assessment as to how you can be a better servant even with your success, wh- where does that come from? Where does that continue to come from? I think it's spiritual. You know, and I talked about this journey when I started on the journey in uh, 79, 80 and, and thereabouts. My mom was a holiness minister, so we need to start with that. So I was one of those church kids, whatever you call those kids that grew up in church seven days a week and hated it. I did not understand that I did not understand. What I did not understand, though, is that the seeds were planted in me in terms of the word. But what I did not know was how to live the word. Mm. You see, that's what Thinking Grow Rich principles have done for me. It has helped me to understand how to live the word. And I say to people, how do you live a word you don't know? I, at one point in my life, I said, you know, that, of course, this was during that tough time. I had a quarter of a million dollars stolen from me which caused me to shut everything down. But again, I found my other self, right? And came back mightier than ever because that's exactly where God wanted me to be. Broke and broken and deeply in debt to everybody. My new partners became the IRS and workers' comp and Southern Bell, we used to call a phone company. Those are my new partners in business. And so I realized while on my knees, of course, with a $60,000, $70,000 payroll every week and had no money because it was gone. But I found my God, not my mom's God, not my dad. He didn't really, he had my mom's God, but my mom's God, I found him for myself. And I found it by realizing that I needed to start at Genesis hmm. and I need to walk through the book a little bit every day. And it took me years to go from Genesis to Revelation and then back again. And so that is where I found I'll, I'll give you 
two things I found. Seek, knock, and ask. Something, something as simple as those words, when I read them for myself, I realized that's the key to selling. Think about this. When you're selling anything, you must first seek. What are you looking for? What is that dream? What is that goal? What is, what is it that's pulling you? And then you must knock on that door, literally as a salesman. I mean, door knocking every, whether you do picking up the phone or whether you're walking, I call it management by walking around, whatever you're doing, you must knock. But oftentimes, once we get in the door, Galen, we don't ask for the sale. We don't ask for the sale. And so when I began to read those words and I began to live them, I planted those seeds every day. I, I read book after book after book after book. Jeffrey Gittimer, everything he's written, the little book of black books, red book, green book, yellow book. I read them all. But I began to realize that the word of God had everything I needed in it. There's a scripture in Genesis 12, 2 that says, I will bless you. But the rest of that says to be a blessing. Mm. So I know this is not about me. And it is about the fact that I'm only blessed to be a blessing. So when you say about staying centered, where does it come from? I'm very clear that it's not about me because like Maslow hierarchy of needs says that once your basic needs are met and you climb that ladder, then what, what's it for? I mean, what's another million dollars? What's another, I'm married to my boyfriend. I don't plan to change that. A billion dollars not going to matter. I, I've had the big house, the big car. I've had all of those things. But as we age, Galen, we want less, less space. You know, who at 90 wants to go up a flight of stairs? I don't care how big it is. No, you want to see the bathroom from your bed. Come on now, somebody. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, and wait until you become a caretaker. You get the, you'll get that later on. So, so I'm saying that, Galen, to say, so over the years, I journaled the journey because I realized in this journey, Eventually, that that fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar payroll, it got to a point where I was not sweating it, and I was making it with ease. And one day, I woke up and I realized, oh my gosh, I never said thank you for so many years. I kept begging and pleading, just one more week, just Lord, can you just help me one more week, make this payroll just one more week? And He did. I never missed a payroll, and then another payroll. And year after year, another payroll. And I realized, Galen, and, and I'm not talking about anybody else, I'm talking about myself. In my journaling, I had to come to the realization, imagine, and this is what I want all of us to think about. Just imagine you had a gift, beautiful box with the bow and the string hanging down, put a little Tiffany box for some of us, right? And you know that the special person wants a special gift. And Galen, you go and you give it to that person. They receive the gift and right in front of you, Galen, they open it up very slowly, slowly, slowly. And right inside was exactly what they were expecting. And for all of you that's listening to this podcast, you use your imagination of whatever you think is in that box that you would like to receive. It could be the breath of life. It can be the car, the house. It can be a million dollars. It can be that loved one. For me, it was all those things I had prayed for. It was payroll in that box. But I guess what, Galen, that person took that gift from you, turned and slowly walked away without the word of thank you. How would you feel? 
You're standing there, Galen, and you're thinking to yourself, how blank? Really? Not a word? But Galen, that was me. That was me and my relationship with God when he had blessed me with the breath of life. He had blessed me with every one of those payrolls and never miss sometime at a hundred grand a week. And I never stopped to say thank you. And so what happened for me, Galen, as, as I began to journal every day, I realized, and this is how my journal, I'm coming back to your question about how do you stay centered? My journal started taking on a life of its own. And I realized that just, just taking a blank sheet of paper and I would just say thank you. But then I realized that there were desires of my heart that I asked God for. And I listed those things. But I never went back, Galen, to say thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for not letting the bank take my car when I not made a payment for a year. Thank you for not taking my house when I lived in it for a year and not paid a dime. Come on, somebody. 7,000 square foot home sitting on two golf courses, Olympic sized pool, guest suite with two bedrooms, living room, bathroom. Come on, Galen. Slide glass doors all around the house, fruit trees all over the place. Look in the backyard. You don't see a house nowhere. All you see is golf. You can't say thank you. Come on, Galen. Come on, somebody. Just you have me so speechless. I get this twice a week. And I think that this is probably the quietest I've ever been <laughs> <laughs> on my own podcast because the lived experiences, I, I probably could find, and you mentioned some of them, you mean Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, I could find a number of speakers that might say the exact same thing, but I don't know that they've lived it. You know, a, a buddy of mine talks about the difference between a travel agent and a tour guide. And he says that both will tell you where you should go. The difference is the tour guide has been there. The tour guide has been there before. I get the sense that you are embracing the space of being a tour guide of life because I have been so inspired by learning that one of the requirements for working in any of your companies is that they have to read Think and Grow Rich. And if they don't read Think and Grow Rich, that could be grounds for termination. Absolutely. And we have terminated people. That's a pretty strong commitment to this philosophy because, you know, if you- Whoa, spend... whoa, 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 whoa. Not to the philosophy, Galen. Okay. It's a strong yeah. commitment to the person, to themselves. See, oftentimes we don't know what we don't know. And we go from job to job, career to career. And we're looking for the next penny raise. We're looking for the next dollar raise. But this Saturday we had our court, we had a company outing. And I sat and I listened to every single one of our employees get up and talk about why they love working with us. And I, and I close to almost came to tears because I never knew they felt that way. One of the um, British guys said somebody offered him more money to leave. And he was sharing, he had his whole family there and he said, leave here? For more money? Why? This is my family. And I'm, we're all sitting there because, you know, we're people of color. He's not. And we're sitting there listening to him with such passion, you know, talk about why he would never leave. Project manager, six-figured income. He comes to the this. He comes to the that. He's read the book. 
He's on the daily calls. And so it's not for everybody. When you have core values and you have a mission and a vision that we've all worked together to create. And so my desiring or requiring you to read for your personal growth and development. And also, Gayla, let me say this, for those people who are under a certain age that work with us, and I think the age is 30, I require they max. We do a 401k max match, and I require they max the match. I require, if you're under 30, no, I will become your surrogate mother or grandmother. Yes, because you don't understand that you don't understand that by maxing your retirement at your age, you're sitting on not six figures, but seven figures Mm -hmm. at retirement. And one day you'll, I could be dead and gone. And you're going to say, oh my God, thank God for Ann McNeil. You see, when we talk about saving and investing, can we make that shift real quick? When we talk about saving and investing, one of the best things that happened to me was that I was broken, broken when I picked up this book. And what the book required of me to do was to read in 10 different areas of my life, spiritually, family-wise, financially, health-wise, educationally, personal growth and development, my different businesses, recreation, creativity, and civic. And it required me to set goals. And Napoleon talks about a self-inventory. And I, I created my own self-inventory process. But he talks about self-inventory and really on an annual basis, taking an annual self-inventory of yourself. So when I began to realize that I did not know what I did not know, even though I hold an undergraduate degree in accounting, a master's in finance, and I held two general contractors and licenses and certifications of the yang-yang, did not matter. I did not know about saving and investing. and so. When I started trying to save $1,000 a year, I realized that I needed to read something about investing and read something about saving. And the first book I read was um, Susie Armand's You've Earned It, Don't Lose It. And then I began to read everything she wrote. But the book that really did it for me, Galen, was a book entitled The Automatic Millionaire by David Bark. And basically what he said, he called it the latte factor. So for all of you that are listening, Google the latte factor. Basically said, he said, listen, if you if you go and take a cup of coffee, doesn't matter where you get it from, let's say Starbucks, and you get a cup of coffee every day. But what if you skip one day, $5 cup of coffee and you get a Danish or whatever, that's $10. You skip one day and you make your own at home. But that $10 a month, excuse me, that $10 a week turns into... 40, maybe $50 a month. If you were to take that $50 and you were to invest it, let's say in in a fund or something, you know, mutual fund or something, or if you take a bath, if you take a bath, maybe you'll invest $50 in Procter & Gamble or Johnson & Johnson, something like that by buying it directly from the corporation. That money over your career will yield you six figures. Now, at that point, Galen, when I read this, I realized I was so deeply in debt, I literally could not pay attention, let alone pay my bills. So I said, you know what? I I can't do 50, but I can do $20. Galen, that was 30 years ago. And the self-discipline that's required is just put it on automatic. You set it and forget it. And so once I started doing that and I came up with this game I played with myself to pay my bills down and pay my bills off, I said, you know, each month, if I can just take the smallest bill, and pay down, 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 and thankfully write it, pay it off at one point. 
What I did not realize is that I kept doing the $20, Galen. See, we talk about saving 10%. Say 1%. Forget 10%. How about 1%? Because when you get in the habit of saving 1%, you can save 2%. And when you can save 2%, you can save 3%. And eventually, you can invest 1%. $5 or $10, what's $5 or $10 to invest? The point is, as I began to read all of these different books every single year, 10, 20, 30 books a year, Galen. That's why when we have people on our show and most people come talk, talking about like the guy this, this last weekend, you know, every book he mentioned, I'd read because at that period in my life, you plant the seed. And that is in every area, read something. It could be a paragraph. It doesn't have to be a book. Were you going to say something, Galen? Yeah, yeah. One, one of the things I, I want to I come back to and just get more of your thoughts, because what I heard from your story was that you were and are making real investments in the people who work for the companies that you, that you run, that you own. And they're real investments. They're not, Absolutely. They're not just you know, let's write some things down on a poster and put it on the wall or, or in, a, in an annual report. What's been your return on that investment that you've made, the real investments that mm. you've made in people? Mm. A lot of leaders might say, well, those are nice to do. And I, I'll get to that after I finish, you know, launching this major initiative, or I'll get to that when I finish uh, making this incredible investment. I'll get to that when I finish doing what the board of directors is asking me to do. But it sounds like you're saying the way that you're doing those things is because of the investment that you're making in your people. What's been the return of, of, of that mindset? Well, Gator, I think that there's no better investment that we can make than in the people, in the people that, that we work with. And where do we really, we work for. I've hired over 100 plus interns in my 40 years. And it's not a lot when you think about it, one intern per semester, whatever, two or three a year times 40 years. It's not a lot. But let me talk about one intern. I'll talk about two very quickly as our time is wrapping up. I'm not sure where it all went. But there was one intern I hired from a trade school. She was ninth grade, so very young. She didn't speak the the language very well. and, And we were both frustrating each other literally every day she came to work because I didn't understand her. She didn't understand me, but I was committed to not firing her. Year one, now she's in 10th grade. She came, she wanted to go into technology, get a degree. But the more she hung around us in this construction space and read the book and came to the meetings, and I, I take them with me when I go to meetings. And when I travel, I have them either raise money to travel because I don't believe in giving everything. And they travel with me. And depending upon what it is and where it is, sometimes I'll, I'll sponsor them to travel with me. She came as a ninth grader. Let me fast forward the story, Galen. If you ever heard of the guitar in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, this building that's shaped like a guitar, she ended up getting an undergraduate degree in architecture. She got a master's degree in construction management, all the time working with us. We placed her on one, two, three, three different projects over the years. And one of our clients hired her away. And after five years of being at that firm, she was assistant construction manager on that project. But she has hired us to work for her. 
I can tell you story after story after story, Galen, of individuals. I have one guy, he was my first intern over 40 years ago, literally, and he still thinks he works here. He ended up two black males and they both ended up being the highest ranking black men in Palm Beach in Dade County, where after they worked here, we ended up helping them get low level jobs, entry level jobs in the county after the internship was over. And then they just continued to move up. I now work for both of them in their agencies. And I can go on and on. And actually, a couple of years ago, we started having an intern reunion because what we're finding is that now many of these interns, they have families and they come back and they say, look, can you take my child? Can you help my child? My youngest daughter, and I'll I'll start wrapping up, she was also one of those interns and people call her the baby billionaire. Well, I was in a meeting last week and a guy was coming behind me. I was getting out of my car to go into a what we call an outreach meeting for construction for a billion dollar project that they were building in Fort Lauderdale. Galen guy walks up to me and he says, are you are you Ann McNeil? I said, yes. He said, are you going inside? I said, yes. He said, do you mind if I walk with you? I said, no problem. He said, how's that daughter of yours? I said, which one? I have two. He said, that daughter that I gave $400 to to go to the New York Stock Exchange when she was in high school. How is she? I turned to him and I said, New York Stock Exchange? He said, yes, you remember? I said, yes, I remember, but that was 20 years ago. He said, really? I said, yes, 20 years ago. He said, well, how is she? I said, listen, that New York Stock Exchange trip may have had an impact because she hit six figures in her portfolio before the age of 30, and she's set to hit seven figures in her portfolio before the age of 40. She's Mm -hmm. doing okay. Those are the seeds that we plant in the lives of young people, which is why it's so very important that we learn how to invest. So I want to say this quickly as we wrap up, Galen. I want to encourage all of your listeners, please go to betterinvesting.org and really connect with us as volunteers. And if you don't do anything else from this podcast, invest in yourself, but also invest in your family with investment, education, and financial empowerment to empower yourself to think and grow rich. Thank you. That's a question that I continue to get. And I really would love the official take from Miss Ann McNeil, because a lot of people will hear the title of that book, Think and Grow Rich, and they'll listen to this podcast. And you must have said nine times, it's not just about the money. Help me make the connection for them as to what that book uh, what we've been talking about, what is it if it's not just about the money when money is practically in the title of the book? And no, it's rich. See, re- remember now the, the 12 enduring riches that Napoleon Hill talks about in the book, out of the 12 enduring riches, money is number 11 out of 12. I am now thoroughly convinced that the title of the book does exactly what it should do. It draws you in. But once you're drawn in and you realize that there are riches that are enduring riches that cover every area of your life that is more important than money, like freedom. Can you buy freedom, Galen? I mean, really think about it. You can't really buy your freedom. So when you think about the fact that Napoleon Hill, he really did exactly what needed to be done by naming the book Think and Grow Rich. But as you think about 
all of the, I, I keep going back to the Enduring Riches. I think the book did exactly what it should do. And I'm, I'm just going to pull it up. I think it's important that we really think about the title of the book, talking about a Think and Grow Rich. But when you really think about uh, what are the enduring riches, because it is not just, I contend, Galen, it is really who we become in the process. I can absolutely endorse that personally because I came into this um, by chance, quote unquote, by chance, happened to be in the process of trying to figure out what was next in my career. And so I attended the National Speakers Association Conference and uh, didn't really know what to do, where to go. So I'm just walking, walking the halls and just happened to turn this corner as I turned the corner, you came out and said, well, aren't you coming in? We're about to get started. I don't know what I'm doing. So sure, <laughs> I follow this friendly face and we go in and it is the Black National Speakers Association affinity group that's, that's part of the National Speakers Association, getting ready to do this deep dive of Think and Grow Rich. And it's a book that I'm going to tell you out of my arrogance, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I read that book 12 years ago. Th this is an opportunity for me to get to know people at a, at a deeper level and probably won't even need to spend a lot of time reading the book because I read it. I kind of know what it's about. And I go in there and there sitting in that room are all of the people that I've ever seen on YouTube. Dr. Willie Jolly was in that room. Del Toro McNeil was in that room. Uh, you name the person, <laughs> they were sitting in that room. And so this is just a great opportunity for me to get to get to know these people at a higher level. And the more I got into the masterclass study of the book, the more things started to happen for me and to me in a way yeah. that I had not experienced. Actually, I think one one of my first real conversations with you was, hey, what is what what's going on here? You know, what what what's going on here? Because this doesn't make sense. These things are happening and they don't make sense. And you explained to me that they do make sense. And this is exactly the way it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have later come to understand that I did not know how the brain works. I did not know our connection to spirit and how to make those kinds of requests. And from that one conversation, uh, I have gone further to try to understand just how the brain works in my study with emotional intelligence, my study, uh, just uh, understanding neuroplasticity, all stem back to that chance, quote unquote, chance meeting. I don't believe it was chance. I believe like a magnet. <laughs> in the no, hole. no, no. Let's, let's not laugh because I think that everybody listening to this is supposed to be listening like a magnet. Whatever you're seeking is seeking you as mm. you're listening. And so whatever you were seeking, Galen, by showing up, it was seeking you. And, and I don't believe in chance encounters. And if you don't mind, let me just quickly give the 12 enduring riches. And you will notice the first one is a positive mental attitude. Mm. The second one is sound physical health. The third one is harmony in human relations. The fourth one is freedom from fear. The fifth one is hope of future achievement. Number six is capacity of applied faith. Number seven is willingness to share blessings. 
Number eight is to be engaged in the labor of love. Number nine is open mind on all subjects. Number 10 is complete self-discipline. Number 11 is wisdom to understand people. And number 12 is financial security. So when you talk about think and grow rich, the richness of the money is the last enduring riches. Because what good is the money without one through 11? Mm. And so I think the book does exactly what it should do. It pulled each of us in for the moment. But when you get deep in it, like you hear me say all the time, Galen, uh, reading the book is one thing, but allowing the book to read you, Mm. that's an entirely different conversation. And so you asked me, how do I live in the book every day, every week? I mean, you're part of our Clarity Mastermind. I do that work just like everybody else. And I'm telling you, it is it's more than a notion. Well, I'll tell you, th- this conversation has been more than just a conversation. First, I want to publicly, publicly thank you for the investment that you've made, not only in me, but in my family. Um, this is generational stuff that you that you have planted the seed for and, and that you've nurtured. And so I want to thank you for that. And we're going to toast out of this conversation, but I, I, I want to see if I can keep you for another few more minutes as we go into the <laughs> VIP room and, and just really get into some really good stuff. So if you're not a VIP yet, let this conversation be your invitation <laughs> to join the VIP room because we're going to see if we can carry Miss Ann McNeil over for a few more minutes and get even deeper. But for now, I, I just want to raise my glass, Miss McNeil, and say thank you and cheers until the next time. Take care. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guest and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.